What's up, guys? Welcome to Spirit and Truth, Salt and Light Podcast. This is Tyler Penalber, and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, we talk about common topics in daily Christian life. We relate them back to the gospel, relate them back to scripture, and we talk about living them out in spirit and truth by being salt and light. Uh, this month, we're so excited. We're going to be talking about uh, worship, uh, continuing that series, bringing up worship through scripture reading and reading scripture and how we can worship through that. Um, but this month, uh, our guest is Matt McGookin. He's our senior pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you, Tyler? Now I'm doing good. I'm so I uh, really appreciate you hopping on and uh, just being a part and getting to just sit down and talk about what reading scripture is like and how we can use that as worship. Glad to do it. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, Matt, why don't you take uh, just four to five minutes? I do this every every month. Just kind of tell us where you are in life. What do you do? Uh, a little bit about your family. A little bit about your call to ministry. Okay. Uh, where you went to school, whatever you want to tell us. So yeah. just take it. Good. Well, as you said, I'm the senior pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church in Idaho Falls, Idaho, uh, originally from Georgia. So two Southern guys that ended up here in the Mountain That's right. West. That's right. um, I have been uh, married now for 23 years uh, to my beautiful wife, Marty, and we have three kids. Uh, so we have two 21-year-olds. People ask me if they're twins, if you've ever seen them. Uh, <laughs> you would know they're not. I have an yeah. African-American daughter and a bio uh, son. And then we have another adopted son who's 10. Um, and so we, we've kind of been through it a little bit. The last few years, we had some medical needs kids. Um, mm -hmm. We've had some transplants and different things like that. But God has been good. Um, our youngest son just got a transplant in March and is doing awesome. That's good. And That's awesome. I am actually in the last week of my sabbatical. So uh, that's the first time I've ever had that. So yeah. uh, 23 years of ministry and get a little eight week off. And so it's yeah. been really refreshing and good yeah, and enjoyable. Sure. Um, but you said call to ministry, school kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I grew up in the church, um, and so that it's hard to really remember a time when, you know, I didn't pray or, or read the Bible or talk about the Lord, that kind of thing. So I became a Christian at a young age, um, but probably was just like one of those church kids, you know, that uh, acts one way at church and a different mm -hmm. way in the rest of life. Um, but uh, the summer after my ninth grade year, I was a big sports guy, you know, baseball, football. Mm -hmm. That was what I... You know, my life was about at that point, and I compound fractured my lower right leg, mm. and uh, it kind of changed the trajectory of my life. God kind of used that time, nine months in a cast, all of this kind of stuff, to kind of redirect me towards himself right. and uh, began to kind of point me towards ministry. And, and through my youth group, I was able to disciple younger kids and all of that. And so after my freshman year of college, um, I really felt God called me into the ministry, and somebody says, well, you need to do some. And so I applied for an internship at my home church, uh, youth group, and our youth minister left halfway through the summer. Mm. So here I am, like 18 and a half years old, taking 60-something kids to camp. Right. Um, and it was kind of a trial by fire, and, and the Lord kind of revealed to me that week that uh, He wanted me to, to surrender to the ministry. So I did, my church affirmed it. And then I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth mm -hmm. um, after I graduated from college. I uh, went to Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, and, and kind of uh, I've served churches in North Carolina, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and then now here in Idaho. I've been here for about nine years. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I am uh, didn't know the full story about your compound fracture. So that's kind of interesting to hear that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Matt, we're, we're really appreciative of you 
just hopping on. Uh, every month I kind of give reasons to those who listen as to why I ask people to hop on. And, um, you know, I mentioned in the very first episode that I was going to bring people that I trust, that I have good relationships with. Um, and the first reason I have is that, you know, you and I work together here at Calvary. Mm-hmm. Um, you're associate pastor, I'm associate pastor and worship and students and things like that. But we're constantly talking about the different aspects of the worship service. Um, like we sat down yesterday and talked about what do we want to do similar, different, that we want to change, add, all these things. So we're constantly talking about how can we implement certain aspects of worship into our services. Um, so scripture reading, prayer, uh, music, all the things, even worship outside of the church, these uh, full you know, series that we're doing here on the podcast, we do our best to implement those things uh, on Sunday mornings. Um, but also your primary role on a Sunday morning is preaching and teaching. Yeah. Um, you have several roles, you know, speaking to people who come in <laughs> and uh, making sure that things, you know, s- go smoothly. But your primary role on a Sunday morning is to to teach the congregation and to lead us um, through Scripture and to the Lord in that way. So you're constantly studying and reading Scripture. And in that, I mean, we'll get to kind of share a little bit about how you personally and you're studying for your sermons. How mm-hmm. are you worshiping through that? Um, but also you've mentioned you went to Southwestern and you've served in churches from the East coast to the mountain West. Uh, you've had a lot of experience in studying the importance and the authority of scripture. Yeah. So you're able to uh, truly be able to explain not only how do we read scripture? Well, why we should read scripture, but how can we make that an act of worship, even if it's individually or as a congregation? Um, so yeah, those are really my reasons for asking you to come on. But like I said, really appreciate you hopping on. Let's, yeah. uh, let's jump right in. I've got three questions that I want to kind of discuss very similar to the last couple episodes. First question, what does the Bible say about reading scripture, whether that's in worship, uh, or that's just in general? Yeah, I, I think the, probably the, the most logical place to start, uh, would be in second Timothy, uh, chapter three, uh, verse 16, where it says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, you know, the, the Bible is our only source of authority. You know, we, we get in trouble as a church, as pastors or whatever, when we're trying to make up things to say or coming up with creative ways uh, to promote our own ideas or understanding, right? And right. so we have to make the word, the core, uh, the, the, the bedrock of everything that we do mm-hmm. as, as pastors or as a church, or, or we're going to be way off course. Right. Um, and, and so this, this passage here, Paul is, is telling Timothy, look, all scripture, the whole Bible, right? This is what you've got to do. And and this is what people need. It's what you need. It's what the church needs. You stick to the Bible, you teach them the Bible, you give them the Bible, and it's and it's everything because it trains, um, it corrects, you know, it teaches, um, it, it does all of these things that that needs to happen in the life of a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you know yeah. that that's that's kind of I think where where we should start, right? And so you know, and that's you know for personal reading, mm-hmm. but it's also true for the church, for the Sunday school class, for the small group. Yeah. Um, you know that the, the everything kind of needs to be centered 
around the word. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. It's uh, th- there's a song that, that talks about, I can't remember the name of it, but it just popped into my head that it talks about kind of centering your, it's called center your life. It's by Austin Stone worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it talks about centering your life on Christ. Um, but really the first step of that is centering your life around the word and living your life based off of uh, them, the books that are written here that are some, some versions say inspired, some say breathed, you know, all being the spoken word of God uh, through those who've written it. Um, centering your life on that is, has got to be the first part of becoming more involved in reading scripture, being discipled, how we're talking about how we can be more discipled in a moment. Um, but when you center your life on it, and it becomes the central part of your walk with Christ, because this this gives you direct instruction of how to live for Him and how how we have our way into heaven through Christ and His death on the cross. Making that the center is really got to be the first step. Yeah, um, and I, and I think that you can focus on the Word, um, but not all of it, mm-hmm. right? We, we can't just pick and choose. And so I think right. that's why it's important. We've got to be students of the Old Testament, um, of every genre of the Bible, right? There are people who, you know, well, I don't want to read Proverbs or I don't want to read Psalms. You know, I just want to stick to those letters. I want to stick to, right. to those prescriptive texts in the mm-hmm. New Testament that are really clear. But the majority of the Bible is narrative, right? And it right. tells the story. Story of how God is interacting with his people. And if we don't read that, if we don't have understanding of that, of how all the Bible kind of fits and pieces together, then we're missing um, something. And so sometimes preachers, you know, they kind of stick to what they like. Right. Um, and and so one of the things that, that I do to get away with that is just preach through books of the Bible. And mm-hmm. that forces me to deal with texts that... I might otherwise want to avoid because right. they're they, they may bring up subjects that are uncomfortable or that people don't want to necessarily talk about. Mm-hmm. But when you're preaching through a book, you know that's just God. It's hey, right. this what's up this week, and so we're going to deal with it, and you know whatever happens happens, right? <laughs> Absolutely, that's right. And and we talked a little bit about the authority of Scripture. Uh, Hebrews four twelve, yeah. it says that for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, kind of guide us just a little bit through what does it mean piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow? That sounds a little odd when you first read that. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to use uh, the image for me here is almost like a surgeon with a scalpel, mm-hmm. um, right? That, that the word of God pierces us. It cuts into us, down into those places that we are are maybe scabbed over, maybe covered Mm -hmm. up, maybe that we're hiding away, maybe that we don't even know we're there. And and so it it gets all the way down into the deepest recesses of who we are, and it exposes us, right? The the, the rest of that, uh, verse 13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Like, that's kind of scary a yeah. little bit, right? But but that's what the Bible does. It exposes us to God. Now, God sees everything anyway, right. but we get the realization 
that God knows everything about me. When we begin to read the word and understand how it reveals who we really are um, and, and our sinfulness and our brokenness and our arrogance and our pride, whatever it may be, um, but also in those moments where we need to be restored, where right. we need to be healed, mm-hmm. that God knows our hurt. He knows our fear. He knows those things. And, you know, he has experienced, you know, he walked this earth in flesh. So he knows who we are. And and so that to me is so important. Um, and just like a just like a surgeon cuts you open. He doesn't do it just to be mean, right? He's not just yeah. trying to, to give you a six-week recovery, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's cutting you open because there's something that needs to be fixed, right. um, something that needs to be healed or removed or, or changed. And in the same way, that's what, that's what the Word does to us. That's how the Holy Spirit um, transforms our lives. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and in doing that, like it says, uh, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, through exposing those things to us, it... It shows us where we need to work on it, mm-hmm. and it teaches us how to discern things because uh, the first time that somebody brings up, hey, that was wrong, even if you didn't realize it, that was not the way to do that, nine times out of ten, or you should not do that again. You should <laughs> learn how to discern that when a situation like that comes up, how to handle that, and then your instruction from that comes from Scripture when it comes to our walk with Christ is that when we are those things are exposed and it teaches us to discern it. The instruction of discernment comes from reading, you know, the letters that are written to the churches by Paul, even reading the narratives in the old Testament of stories of people that truly messed up like David and how to move through things like that. And the restoration that comes through Christ, even when you see that in the old Testament, the, the belief and the faith in Christ to come and all of those things, it's just, when you get that discernment, it it doesn't just stop there and saying, okay, I know now what not to do. You have to study and know how do I do the right thing? How do I avoid temptation? How do I move forward after that? Because when you have surgery, we use that example, you don't have surgery, get cut open, they fix what they need to fix to show you what's wrong and then send you on your way. They typically will give you a recovery plan. Hey, you mm-hmm. need to do this. We want you here by this amount of time. That's almost kind of how the Bible is, is it cuts you open, it shows you where you're wrong, and then it leads you through life and how to do these things through the Holy Spirit and through reading Scripture. And all of that really comes back as an act of worship because we are centering Christ in the middle of that. Um, So even when you're avoiding temptation or you're learning to do the right thing in certain situations, you're worshiping Christ through that. Even if it's not at the top of your mind, that is still worship to God, yeah. Um, which is which is really cool. So. Yeah, I I like the the three questions. If you think back, if you know, my family makes fun of me that I always go back to Genesis three, but I, I think mm-hmm. it's foundational uh, for our understanding of the Bible. The three questions God asks Adam when he comes to him in the garden after they've eaten the fruit. Right, first mm-hmm. is where are you? Yeah, uh, I think that's important. Right, we've got to understand where we are. The Bible asks that question constantly. Where are you in relationship to God? And and I'm like, I'm over here in the bushes and I'm hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Right? Right. Um, you're hiding because you you sinned. And he said, Well, I, I'm hiding because I'm naked. That's what he said. He said, Well, who told you 
you were naked? That's the mm-hmm. second question. Like, who are you listening to, right. Adam? Whose authority do you submit to, and, and who's the voice in your ear? Is it me or is it someone else? And then lastly, he said, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat, which is the ultimate kind of putting the finger on the problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's the exposing you know, and, and so what he's trying to lead Adam to is confession and repentance and restoration, right. um, and and that's kind of the process that the Bible does for us. Um, but it also instructs us, hopefully, ahead of time, like you said, that we learn to discern mm-hmm. and avoid the pitfall um, b- before we get there. So, yeah, that's great. Let's uh, let's hop over to the second question: How can we implement? reading scripture into a worship service on Sunday mornings? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that you, you need to realize that it's necessary, mm-hmm. right? That it's important to do. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times, even in some churches, the reading of scripture is put, you know, to the side even by the pastor in the sermon, mm-hmm. right? He, he'll read two or three verses of pre- uh, Scripture and then put his Bible down, and then he just talks the rest of the time. Right. Um, and it seems like then it's the pastor's uh, authority or the pastor's understanding or the pastor's idea. Right. Um, but when we read the Bible even outside of the sermon time, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, this is the voice of God, right? Right. We, we need to listen to this. Um, and 1 Timothy uh, 4.13, again, Paul is instructing Timothy, hey, this is, this is how the church is supposed to work, right? And he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Um, do not neglect the gift which you've been given, right? And so, you know, the instruction here is to read the Bible aloud. Um, and and I think we, you know, I, I think you could, I think you can never go wrong opening the Word of God and reading it publicly, mm-hmm. right? Even if you just read the passage and sat down, right? that'd be a better sermon, than not reading right. the Bible yeah. and talking for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, and, and so I, I think that it is, it is necessary for us to do. It's important. I mean, just think about the Psalms. Every one of those Psalms, 150 of them, were written specifically for worship, right? Right. They're, they're songs, they're poems um, of different experiences of people um, in relation to God. And so th- there's so many, I mean, just, you know, we just went through this, you know, series on the book of Psalms mm-hmm. and, and there's so many different unique points of view there, but it almost hits us in every aspect of our life or situation that we could be in. But Hey, they were written to be used mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the service, in the worship thing. And so if we're not reading the Bible and worship, we're, we're messing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that it, it says to to read it aloud, but you also bring up preaching it and teaching it and mm-hmm. using it in that. Second uh, Timothy chapter four, um, just swapping over to the next book, second Timothy four uh, verses one and two, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, revoke, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, and exhort 
with complete patience and teaching. Um, preaching the Bible accurately and consistently. Why is that important? No, that's a very dull question, but it's a it's a question that's yeah. I, I mean, because there. Th- there are lots of sermons that are not biblical or accurate or right. whatever, right? I mean, yeah. unfortunately, I, I think if you were just get on the internet and just type in the word sermon, you could find a lot of sermons that were not biblical or accurate or anything. Right. So, just labeling something a sermon or calling it a sermon, um, it, it can be quite deceiving. But from from the biblical standpoint. The sermon is the reading and then the explaining, um, giving the sense of what the word means. I think about uh, Ezra in the in the Old Testament when the people, after um, they were scattered and God brought them back to the promised land. Right, they're trying to reestablish the temple and do all these kind of things, and and He brought all the people. And, and and then they built this platform. It's like almost mm-hmm. like the first sermon. You know, they built this platform and had this thing, and he stood up, and the Bible says he opened the law and read it for like all day, like mm-hmm. hours and hours, just read the whole thing. But the cool thing about that is it says that there were Levites. The other They were out among the crowd, mm-hmm. and as it was being read, they were giving the sense. They were explaining the text. Right. So it wasn't just the reading of it publicly, but it was also, hey, what does this mean? You know, what should you do now in relation to what God has said? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so sermon needs to have the sense, what does this mean? But it also needs to have the application, what do we do with this? Yeah. You know, how, how do I now reorient my life around this truth that God has just spoken. Right. Yeah. That's huge. And, and like you said, you you can look up just the word sermon and find them everywhere. Um, so I know this isn't a question that's written down. I did it to Mike last week a couple of times. <laughs> um, but what are some ways, like tips and advice from you, that we can discern biblical accuracy in sermons that we find? Well, I mean, I, just open the Bible and go to the text. I mean, so read the text that the pastor is is supposedly preaching mm-hmm. from, or if he's not using a text um, and he's just talking and quoting a bunch of verses, um, you know, are those verses in context? Right. Is he just use? Is he proof texting? Which means just, I mean, because you can, you could pick different verses in the Bible and pretty much make it say whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. But the Bible has to be read in context in which it was written. Um, and and so it's not just, hey, what does this one verse mean? But how does this one verse relate to all the verses around it? Right. Um, because that that's very, very important. And so if somebody is only doing a one-verse sermon mm-hmm. um, or just a couple, of, you need to make sure, hey, is this in context? Read what is before it. Read what is after it. Does what the pastor is saying make sense yeah. um, in, in, in context here? Right. And uh, kind of a follow-up question on that. In the role of a congregant and say that they find something that their pastor has either misquoted mm-hmm. or missaid that is a biblically inaccurate thing. How should a congregant approach that with their pastor? Because the Bible calls us to call out, mm-hmm. you know, false doctrines, but how should we do that with love, but also with standing firm in the word? Yeah. I, I mean, I think 
the worst thing that you could probably do is come up to the person right after church and go, you're wrong, you're an idiot, right? Because mm-hmm. there are times that, and I've done this before, you misspeak, right? Right, And I'm not perfect. I've said things wrong. I, I remember uh, one sermon, you know, I was talking about the number of years between the completion of the the, the Old Testament and the start of the New, and, and, mm-hmm. and I said 600 years. And that's wrong, right? It's 400 years. And, and you know, somebody kind of jokingly pointed that out to me. I mean, they didn't do it mean spirit. And, and I said, yeah. And so I came back next week and said, hey, I, I messed that up. I was wrong. Yeah. Um, and so there's times where it could have just been a mistake. Right. Um, and, and that's where, Hey, you know, somebody said Moses instead of Noah, right? right? I mean, something like mm-hmm. that, right? I mean, you know, there, there are times where you could make a, a mistake. Um, those things probably you don't, that's nitpicky, right? right? But if there's a theological error, mm-hmm. right, that's the thing that you need to lovingly and graciously, you know, call your pastor, call the church office, set up a time, say, Hey, can we, can we meet? And then just say, hey, you know what? You said this, mm-hmm. you know, but the Bible says this, right? I mean, because, you know, you, you could find out that maybe your pastor has a very different view on an important theological issue. Um, and, you know, maybe that's not where you need to be as right. church. Or maybe he didn't mean to say that or whatever. Or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're the way of leading him back to, to the truth. And so, um, you know, a, a, an honest good pastor and preacher will be willing to admit when they've messed up and and made a mistake right. and 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 will want someone to come to yeah. them but not Absolutely. be the nitpicky guy like you you mispronounced this word or mm-hmm. you know you said this out of order yeah. or you you said 450 years when it's really 449 or something right. you know something like yeah. that so yeah for sure um i remember one time i was preaching at a church in uh, Liberty, Mississippi. And I was quoting the uh, story about um, Solomon and the mm-hmm. the two women that came up both claiming the baby and just not thinking. I told them, I was like, yeah, he cut that baby in half and gave half to each one <laughs> instead of just the story of, you yeah, know, this threat- is what I'm going to do, threatening it, yeah. to do it. And I remember uh, sweet little Miss Lady, little lady Miss Shirley comes up to me and she's like, I want you to know that I love you. He didn't kill that baby. <laughs> I was like, I was like, thanks for letting me know. I said, I miss, I miss said that. I was like, but I right, thank you for yeah. letting and, me and know. And that's, that's a great way to, Hey, you know that I love you. I care for you. Um, but, but Hey, that, that probably wasn't accurate or right. right. You know? So, yeah. so yeah, I think, I think that's the best way to pray. And mm-hmm. most, I mean, at least in the churches I've been in, most people are gracious and kind right. and you know, they, they will do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know that's a uh, a little bit of a rabbit hole in uh, you know, implementing it in in our worship services, but when you have someone who's preaching that, you have to also as a congregant and the person who's sitting there be involved in that mm-hmm. and paying attention and knowing because that's just as much worship as sitting there and actively listening to a sermon instead of just kind of sitting there counting the ceiling tiles or thinking about which football game you're going to put on when you get home is when you're sitting there actively listening and participating in the sermon, I mean, you don't have to sit there and say, amen. And, you know, go crazy or be vocal, but being active in that and hearing from the Lord is worship. Um, So being on top of what is being said, being on top of the context and things like that and knowing and going home and studying more 
can all be uh, considered worship. And just as an aside to that, I think you can also, you know, it's important for just the average church member in a Sunday school class or a Bible study, because sometimes people, you know, what does this text mean to you? And somebody will be like, out in left field, right? And and so not just to let that hang there and kind of redirect it back to the Bible. Well, this is what the Bible says. This is what the text says. Um, it's kind of a gracious way to do that um, so that we're not just allowing error to kind of hang out there in the midst. And, you know, because you don't know who's in that class, and there may be people there who don't have strong Bible knowledge, and, and they're just taking that person's opinion at face value, right? So... Um, always being willing to kind of redirect it back to the text. Right. Yeah. So uh, a third way that I have written down that we can implement reading scripture into worship is also memorizing it together. Um, and this mm-hmm. is something we've talked about actually yesterday Yeah. of how are we going to do that uh, starting soon. Um, but there's reason as to why we should memorize scripture. And I go to Joshua 1.8. Uh, was the verse that I kind of leaned to is it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Um, It gives you the opportunity and the means to be careful to do what the Bible says. Um, and, and when it says that you may live, uh, and, and make your way prosperous and have good success, that it doesn't mean monetarily or that life is going to be always easy all the time, but your true prosperity when it comes to the gospel is your relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that we need. Um, so this common prosperity gospel of the, the high and mighty best life, good life, things like that can be misinterpreted by scriptures that mention it, but really it's your prosperity comes through Christ. So let's uh, just kind of dive into memorizing scripture. Um, how is that worship uh, is kind of my first question off mm-hmm. of that. How is that worship? And also what are some ways that we can do that more in our lives and better? Cause some people don't memorize very well. Yeah. Um, but what are some ways that we can do that and how is that worship? Well, I mean, it's worship because you're taking the word of God and you're putting it not just in your mind, but on your heart. I mean, you know, God says, I'm going to take my word and write it on the hearts of my people. And mm-hmm. and I think memorization does that, right? Because you may be at work. You may, I mean, we got our phones with us and, you know, you have your Bible app or whatever, but your, your, your Bible might not always be right in front of you. But when you come into a situation and you're wondering, hey, this is a temptation, what should I do? What's wisdom here? You know, those are the times when the Holy Spirit brings to mind those scriptures that you've memorized. Right. And so if if you know the scripture, right, it, it's it's something that is inside you, it's in your head, it's in your heart, then it is so much easier in those moments. Um, instead of like, ah, uh, you know, you're just like, you know, thinking of an inspirational quote for the day rather mm-hmm. than, you know, but if you know the word, then the Holy Spirit can bring that to your heart and your yeah. mind and, and help you in those difficult situations. So, right. Yeah. It's, um, it's really cool. I remember when I was in high school, our, uh, worship pastor wanted to implement, you know, the memorization of scripture. And the way that he did that to teach it to us is that he found songs that 
saying the words of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's one for Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7 about don't be anxious. There's a little song that goes with it. Um, I couldn't find it anywhere. I tried to find it one time. <laughs> but there's a song that went with it, and we sang it as one of our songs in the worship set on Sunday mornings every day that every Sunday that month to help teach us the words of that scripture. Um, so it's the same way as like study skills in college or high school is you've got to find what works best for you because if just sitting there and reading it 12 times and then reciting it doesn't work, then find ways that it can, whether you put sticky notes on your mirror and you read it every morning for like three months or you do, um, I know there was a time in college that we would write the first letter of every word of the scripture on our hand. And it wasn't the whole thing, but it would give us those first letters of each word. And that would be an easy way to remember it as we can look down and see um, those letters and be able to recite those verses. And then that also started conversations of like, what do those letters on your hand mean? Um, but just find what works best for you. Read it aloud. Uh, write it down, however, um, but also at the same time, don't just do it to do it. Uh, do it to hide his word in your heart and to be prepared and to be careful um, and to meditate on it daily. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the psalm says that the, you know, the word of God is more precious than gold, right? And mm-hmm. so if you knew, hey, um, I can spend, you know, an hour a day digging a hole in my backyard and I'm going to find gold, you would do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, I think it's one of those things. We do what we think is important. Right. I mean, that that's that's the reality. Whether it's hard or easy or, or you know, we struggle with it or whatever, we, we end up doing as people what we think is important. And so if we think that the Bible is important, we, we believe that this really is truth, that it is gold, that it is... Um, it's so important that we need to know it and understand it. And then we will spend time in it. We will spend time with it. Um, and and we will, you know, just like you're trying to pass a test um, right. in school, you got to study. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not just, you know, sitting in church for an hour a week, staring at the back of someone's head, you know, is not... Bible study. It's not scripture memorization. Now we can do different things in church to help people, but you have got to take that initiative on your own to say, Hey man, this is important. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to invest time and energy and effort into it. That's awesome. We, uh, it kind of also leads into our last question is how can we implement reading scripture into our daily lives? Um, and kind of my first question off of that is, why should we? And we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, do you happen to have Deuteronomy uh, 17, 18 through 20 uh, oh, pulled up? I will find that. Because I don't think I have my marker in it. <laughs> 17, 18 through 20. through 20. Okay, it says, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of the law approved by the Levitical priest, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all of his days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord of his God by keeping all the words of the law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left, so that he may continue 
long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So it mentions that he can, he shall read it for all the days of his life Mm -hmm. to read it daily. Um, And reading it daily, daily reading of scripture equips us to handle the things of the world. And we've already talked about that kind of in the authority of scripture. Um, But you, you've got to have that consistency, that daily reading. And we're going to talk about in just a second, the active daily reading of scripture. Um, Because you've got to have that consistency. You've got to have that, communication with God. And I mentioned um, in the podcast that they do at Salmon Valley that scripture reading is almost kind of like prayer part two, um, is that this is also how you hear from God. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever think that God is silent, open your Bible. Absolutely. Um, so having that conversation, that daily relationship with Christ, like we mentioned in prayer, also comes from your discipline and your act of reading scripture every day. Um, so off of that, what are some tips and tricks that we can use to become more disciplined in reading scripture every day? I, I think you have to, one way is how, how do we view it? Right. Um, and so I think what can happen, cause everybody who's been in church for any length of time knows, Hey, I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to read my Bible. And mm-hmm. it just becomes those little check marks, like I have to do this. And I think that what we have to look at is more the long-term understanding of what does it do, right? What is the right. benefit of this? And and so it, it's just like exercise, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, everybody wants to advertise some great exercise plan, like 30 days to lose three inches or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. They want to give you this really quick burst and do this and then right. – but but the reality is you can work out for 30 days, but if you quit after that, you're, you're going to get lazy and fat again, right? I mean, right. and so it is one of those things, one day a week, you're not going to be in shape. And so you have to be consistent. You have to do it daily um, with exercise. And, and I think the same thing is with the word and prayer, um, you know, and, and think about it relationally too. If this is the way we communicate with God and the way God communicates to us, so praying, we're speaking to God, we're talking to Him. Um, but I, you know, I don't know about you. I've never heard an audible voice, right? right? Well, how do I say the Lord speaks to me? Well, He speaks to me through His Word, mm-hmm. and so how do I know what God is saying? I know what He's saying when I read His Word, and so if if you're in a relationship with someone and you only talk to them one day a week. Or one day a month, mm-hmm. that's not a real strong relationship, right? right? Um, and so, you know, daily communication is what grows that mm-hmm. relationship with God. And so that, that to me, I think we have to change the way that we're looking at it. Um, look at the benefits and then also kind of viewing it as a relational thing and not just, hey, I'm doing this to get a gold star. Mm-hmm. No, I'm doing this to grow in relationship with God because this is how I know Him. This is how right. I communicate, and He communicates with me. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of my last question on that to kind of close us out is we talk about reading Scripture every day and that it's necessary and to have that discipline, but how do we do that actively? Because sometimes when we're reading through Old Testament stories, they can get it can get boring at some points. Um, not to say that the Bible is boring at all, but it can be hard to read. Um, like Leviticus, for example, all of these laws that were written that don't necessarily apply to us anymore. Um, how can we actively 
uh, read scripture to avoid going just through the motions and checking off boxes. Yeah, I think one of the, the the good ways to do that is to have a good study Bible mm-hmm. because so much of what is in the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. Right. Right. But but we can be, you know, especially if we're new in church, new in reading the Bible, um, new in kind of connecting the larger story, you know, we kind of get lost and miss the forest for the trees, right? Mm-hmm. I can't see how this connects with anything. All that they're just telling me all these things that I'm not supposed to do and all this food that I'm not supposed to eat. And that right. doesn't this doesn't even apply to me anymore. Like, what is the purpose of this? Right. And so you know, a good study Bible can can help you kind of understand or or some commentaries or, you know, some something like that that can help you kind of understand what is the purpose of this. Right. Um, and so then I'm not just reading and falling asleep and, mm-hmm. man, this is born, at, you know, why in the world are there 70,000 names here, right? right? Why am I reading all mm-hmm. of these names and all of these people and this, you know, what's the point of this? Yeah. And so I think when you get through that, going back and saying, okay, what what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and asking yourself some questions, right? Every time you read the Bible, what does this say about God, right? What does this say about people, right? Mm-hmm. For, what does it say about me? Right. And then what should I do in response to mm-hmm. what I've just read? And so if, you, if you're willing to ask yourself those questions each time, then I'm not just blindly reading. I'm actually thinking and processing what's the purpose of this. And I may right. not know. I may read it and go, oh, I don't know. So then I got to go ask somebody, mm-hmm. right? I need, I need some help. Like I asked somebody in my Sunday school class or somebody that I know that goes to my church, hey, right. what does this mean? And so then I'm actively engaged. I'm like an mm-hmm. investigator. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what, what is this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's great. Um, well, Matt, I really appreciate you hopping on and just kind of talking through all this with me, all these uh, verses that we've gone back and forth, Old and New Testament, um, and just kind of seeing the relationship between them and how it all ultimately points back to Christ and back to reading the Bible and um, all of these things. So I really appreciate you hopping on. Um, everybody, I encourage you to tune in next month. Um, one that I'm really looking forward to is called Miscellaneous Worship. Um, so basically, that means how do we worship outside of the church? How do we take, you know, doing simple tasks like grocery shopping or working in the yard, and how do we make that worship? Um, and how can we apply that in different ways? Uh, so tune in next month. Um, not going to give away the guest. Mike said this because I don't know who it is. Um, it's not true, <laughs> but uh, we'll introduce you to that person uh, next week. But Matt, I really appreciate you. Hopping on. Do you have any uh, just other encouragement? Any last things to add before we close in prayer? Nothing else to add. I, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity, and then glad yeah. to be here today. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate you. Well, let's uh, let's close in prayer, and then uh, we will sign off. And you guys can tune in next month. Father, we thank you for this afternoon or this morning, actually, and uh, we just thank you for your provision that you've given us, Lord, for leading us through life, giving us your word. Uh, just as that guide. So, God, we just uh, lift it up to you. God, we lift up our hearts and our minds. Lord, give us the discipline to dive in daily, Lord, but to dive in actively. Uh, God, we pray that we take these things that we talked about today, and myself and Matt, even as pastors of a church, that we continue to apply them. 
Lord, that we don't forget the importance of these things. But Lord, I pray for each listener, uh, Lord, that they will be encouraged, uh, Lord, not to be called out and to feel discouraged that they're not doing something, but to be encouraged that you are greater uh, than anything. So God, we pray that you will be the center of everyone's life. Lord, we thank you for this day. Allow us to continue to stay safe and stay whole for you. Lord, we love you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. See you guys next month. <laughs>